0: Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I'm so happy and grateful to have Jake Spurley with us here today, who is a resilience mindset mentor, speaker, best-selling author, and is changing the event industry at fair and event. After starting multiple businesses at a young age, he has a unique perspective about learning from failure facing adversity and continuing to pivot and grow new ventures. in his current role as CEO of fair and event. He's committed to helping events use the latest in software and services to help them flourish beyond their wildest dreams. Jake, welcome. And thank you so very much for being here,
1: Jesse. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm so excited to be able to uh, chat today,
0: dude, I am too. And I got to start off by asking like how has COVID changed the way we're doing events and I imagine with the software things got you pretty busy with virtual events now.
1: Yeah, it, it's been insane. You know, we um, officially launched one of, our, one of our new software solutions at the beginning of 2020, and what a time to to, non- to launch a, a big new feature uh, right before COVID hit. Uh, it's been, you know, a lot, of, a lot of folks have been apologetic towards us, um, and I say this has been the best thing to have to us. Uh, give us a, a whole year to really hunker down and, you know, innovate new features really chat with events that that we work with and understand at a level that we could have never done before of what are your struggles that you haven't told us about and really help them on an individual level um, and you know invent new technology for them to really propel them forward so I'm I am certainly extremely grateful for it for COVID I guess in that regard but you're right it's definitely changing the landscape of the event industry and we'll see we'll see how long virtual sticks, sticks around for.
0: What are, what are the things that you're seeing right now? And I'm asking this question purely selfishly. I'm just going to tell you right now. What are the things that you're seeing really successful with the virtual events? And I'm asking because I'm emceeing a, a fundraiser here in a couple months. And then I have a, a couple keynotes starting in the spring. So I'm just, what's what do I need to know, Jake, that I don't know right now?
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough, right? A, a lot of folks are... Experiencing virtual fatigue, and the thing that we're seeing—successful uh, virtual events are happening now because now you're, you know, almost a year in of having to do virtual events. You have to have something um, that nobody else has seen before, and you have to take a big risk on that. Um, so many folks think that it's okay to just put on these seminars, these you know, cool events by just having their speakers, having their little trade shows. That isn't enough to move the needle anymore. It was in the beginning of COVID when these whole virtual events were a new thing. Um, now you have to do something that probably would feel awkward and uncomfortable to even think about doing it in a virtual setting, but you just have to go do it because that's, what's going to set your event apart, especially on a virtual platform. Um, what we're hearing, especially from attendees is that attendees want to get back to the in-person connection. We're humans. We like to connect with each other personally face to face. So. Our recommendation on that front is do something completely wild that you would have never thought you'd do before on, on the virtual event side.
0: That's so crazy. I bet It's going to make people appreciate the in-person events so much more too afterwards.
1: It will and, and it's funny because at the beginning virtual events were the new thing like this is going to be so much fun and then now we're a year into it and everybody's like well this is just going to kind of be a band-aid to just get us through and we we at Fair and Event really see virtual stuff as that as just a band-aid uh, to get us by uh, until we can have those in-person events again.
0: Do you think the in-person event industry will come back to be as big as it was before? Or do you think will, going forward, there will always be a combination of in-person and virtual?
1: I think we're going to see a strong surge right after COVID, COVID ends, whatever that means. <laughs>
0: it's up being. Um,
1: whatever that is, because I think there's so much pent-up demand and folks have had so much time to plan an event, I think we're going to see a very large surge right after of a whole bunch of events happening and a whole bunch of people going to events. And I think you're going to kind of see that kind of the top of the bell, um, Peter off there. I do think it, I do think in some regard, the event industry will, will get back to normal, but I do think in the short term, we're going to see, um, events, the, I guess how events are produced differ a lot. I mean, there's some big entertainment companies that went out of business. Um, It's certainly our hope and what we're doing with all of of our events that we work with is we're doing everything that we possibly can to assist them and support them in getting their their events back to normal. But it's one of those things that we just don't know, especially if if folks can not have their event in 2021, that's going to be two straight years that they're coming in with little to no revenue. So it's, it's kind of a wait and see game, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Man, Jake, I have to ask you before we shift gears. How long did it take you to get Zoom fatigue? I think for me it was by mid May where I was saying when people would say, Hey, do you want to do a Zoom catch up? And I started saying, No, let's do regular phone calls.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say for me, I'm always on Zoom doing demos. Um, so I've been burnt out of Zoom for, <laughs> for a very long time. Um, but I really started noticing in other folks in the summer because um, in the summer is when usually kind of a lot of the events are happening and those folks are so used to being out and about and mm. they're stuck on a nice sunny day outside, you know, looking at their computer screen. So it's it's just weird.
0: And it is. It's a it's a changing time. Well, speaking of changing times, let's talk about resilience. I think this is, I think if anything, 2020 is positioned. And just to clarify, at the time of this recording, we're end of January 2021 right now in the... Year proceeding was obviously the year of COVID, the year of po- political craziness here in the USA, and and so much more. And I think that resilience has been one of those words that many of us have had the opportunity to develop or have it had it placed in front of us, the opportunity to develop in ways we never imagined before. Talk to us a little bit about resilience. What is it and why does a resilience, resilient mindset matter make a difference for people?
1: I think it's it's tough, right? I think everybody everybody in some level wants to have a resilient mindset. Like they never want to feel nobody likes to feel crummy, obviously. Um but I think especially now we're seeing the importance of having such a resilient mindset and why it's important is that life can change so drastically so quickly. Um and the analogy I always make is that you know, me in my life like I can't control the thing. Like if I, my, my life is a, is just like a ship, you know, the ship is going forward, but at the end of the day, you know, if an engine goes out in the back, like I can't control that. I can just do my best to like steer the ship. If somebody starts, you know, attacking you from the side, like there's not much I can do besides keep driving the ship the best that I can. And to get through those situations, you have to have, you know, some sort of that resilient mindset of, well, that for some unforeseen reason that happened. It obviously happened for a reason. I don't need to understand the reason of why that happened, but it happened. And we're not going to dwell on it. We're going to take it in stride. And we're just going to keep going forward because your ship, your life inevitably keeps going. And regardless of what happens around you, you can't just stop. Like This isn't like basketball. You can't just you know walk off the court and quit. No, you have to get back up and you have to keep going. And I think so many folks going through COVID have kind of learned that I probably in an unhealthy way, unfortunately, but, you know, in some regard they have learned how to have um, kind of that resilient mindset piece there.
0: For people who are recognizing the value of resilience and are wanting to cultivate it more, are there some exercises, some habits that they can begin to develop that will help them cultivate that resilient mindset?
1: Absolutely. I think for me, I had an un I like to say unfair opportunity because um, I I grew up with you know divorced parents the whole nine yards so that's kind of where I learned it. But for folks that have maybe had a I don't want to say easier life because easy and hard is all relative to you an individual. But something that I think helps a lot of folks um, is convincing your mind that every situation happens for a reason, but also looking past every situation and understanding that like. The whole everything in this world is somehow trying to work in your favor, and it's not your job when you're going to drive yourself crazy if you try and understand why that's happening. Um, and I and it, for a lot of folks, it's very very hard. It's it's hard for me sometimes, and I've been practicing this for a while to because you you really have to trick your brain. Of no brain, uh, my grandmother passing away. That's not a that's not a terrible bad thing. Like. That happened for a reason you know maybe she was emotionally she wasn't happy anymore or whatever um and our brains are just so powerful that it's sometimes very hard to trick your brain but i think that those words of affirmation consistently to yourself and you keep telling yourself you know this happened for a reason i don't know why that's okay we're gonna keep going um until you kind of get to that level of 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 internal brain like conviction not conviction but convincing um that it's okay and i think it also there's so much power behind and you know this probably better than most jesse of words of affirmation um i think it kind of starts with reassuring your brain with through those words of um this is okay this is happening but i don't i don't need to know why
0: how how do you handle the the grandmother example, Jake, I'm always curious with it because I'm, I'm a big believer in the whole, and I'm not, I can't remember who said it, but the fastest way to change your life is find a way to make your worst day, your best day. And I get it in practice and I've practiced getting it. And in some cases I've, I've mastered it. And I can, I can confidently say the reason I'm sitting here in front of you right now is because of all the fucked up, horrible challenging stuff that's happened in life and then how, when the decisions I've made around it, that's taken years and years of like, you know, playing with that and doing that work and doing that work. And I've also found that in the moments of going through those experiences, it doesn't feel like that. And when I've tried to have that conversation with people, it seems like they have to be at a space where they're open to that learning and past maybe the initial grief of it that they can start to look at it. So I'm just curious, like, how do you approach that conversation with the grandma? Your grandmother dying was actually for you, and here's why. If you could explore that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's tough to articulate that in a one size fits all manner. Um, And I think too many folks hold on to, oh, Jake said this, like, my brain needs to work that way too. different for everybody on how you approach the situation you know how, how i approach situation might be different from how you jesse approach situation which might be different from you know everybody else listening here um the big thing for me is i have to take you know the first couple days or whatever it is to just be angry be mad be pissed and to get it out but i only allow myself between 24 and 72 hours to to do that and then after that i tell myself right you're like the windows up, you know, the game's over with that. It's time to time to go to the next game. And the next game for me mentally is the game of gratitude. Like I, at points I feel like so guilty and just grateful for like the life I'm able to have that I, I feel guilty if I spend more than like 72 hours being so down and pissed and angry Mm. at the world because of how many like beautiful things I have to have a roof over my head. And that analogy gets used way too often. You should be grateful to have a fucking roof over your head. It's like, yeah, that's cute. But like, I feel like guilty that I have a decent life, you know, and I'm able to afford gas and afford groceries and stuff like that. And there's so many other folks that have so much less. It's hard for me to internally justify why I'm dwelling for so long when I have so much, and I still have so much to give to the world.
0: Have you always been that way, Jake? Because I find that so incredibly fascinating that you just, you said that. And and I think that's such, what you just said, there's really, in that is kind of the key of of winning at life, winning emotionally, experiencing more days and happiness, more days and joy. And I think that part of the reason that so many of us in the U S struggle with anxiety, stress, depression, those kinds of things is because very few of us have ever known the level of suffering that somebody in Haiti might be going through, or somebody in Somalia, or somebody who lives in Afghanistan, Al Qaeda rule. We we've, we've grown up, with a roof over our head. It may not be as nice as somebody else. We've grown up with food in our refrigerators and cupboards. It may not be as nice as somebody else. We've grown up with having basic survival needs met. And in that, when those survival needs are met, it's almost like we start to get in this dynamic of comparing and so the the real stress, anxiety, depression, all those feelings of unworthiness start to flow from, I don't have what Jake has. You know, so then therefore I'm not as good as Jake. I'm so curious, like how did you, you know, what was it What was it about you? Was it a life experience? Was it was it something you wake, woke up one day? Was it something, like when did you become cognizant of this that, wow, I can be so grateful for what I have and not just taking that for granted? Because, I, and I also think too, and I'll let you answer is, I think one of the magics of gratitude and where people will screw up on developing a gratitude practice is they think that you have to be grateful for something unique or something Kind of out of the ordinary of a day, and so when you have a day that kind of, especially in these COVID times where the days kind of blend together because we're we're doing a lot of less routine than we may have done in the past, we may not practice gratitude because we'll think, well, nothing really out of the ordinary happened today, so what is there to be grateful for? But a real gratitude practice is about what you just said. It's about recognizing that, gosh, I can put gas in my car. I'm so grateful. It's about walking outside and seeing that the there's green or the rain is coming down or that there's, you know, a a heater on when it's cold outside. So I'm just curious, what was it about your experience, your journey? Like when did this come to you or have you just always innately been this way?
1: It's a great question. I've always had a very resilient mindset. Um, My, so between both my parents, they've been married and divorced, uh, combined eight times. So there's always been a lot of uncertainty in my life. Um, And that's why I started businesses is to gain the um, attention that I was missing from my parents. Hmm. So, I've always had that resilient mindset kind of in the back of my head of there is no quit, Uh, it's just keep going. Um, But the thing that's really taken that to just like a completely crazy level is the beginning of 2020. Uh, which I think a lot of folks can say, yeah, my mindset changed a lot in 2020. But, um, one day I had a sweet contract job, um, helping this, helping this company, um, grow and my, my dad wasn't answering his phone and this man lives by his phone. He loves to text us. You know, he doesn't, he would rather just text us funny memes than call us and talk about our days. And. One day he wasn't responding I'm like, this is weird. My dad's a retired physician. Um, so we, you know, we asked him, Hey dad, my toes like black, what's wrong here? And he kind of consults us you know, on those things and he wasn't answering his phone. This is weird. And then he didn't answer his phone the next day either. And so my brother went down and I went down and I found him unconscious on the floor one day. And um, I was like, dad, you know, what's up? And he's like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm just tired. Um, and finally, I was just like, something is terribly wrong here. So I called the ambulance and took him in, and he was pissed at me um, because he, you know, I'm a retired doctor, I know what's up. And um, so he took him in, and the ER doctor pulled me out, and he said um, he needs to go to a bigger hospital, but I'm not sure that he's going to make it when he gets there. And <clears throat> I looked at him at him, and I was like me happy-go-lucky Jake was like, all right, well, let's fucking go. Like, let's hurry up Then let's stop talking. Let's go. And, um, he, I spent three months in the hospital with him, um, every single day he was in the ICU for well over a month, you know, intubated ventilator, like the whole nine yards on dialysis. Um, he was truly minutes, hours away from, from going. And I, did not miss a single day i was at his bedside before the rounds happened and i stayed all day until the nightly rounds happened because i never wanted to miss a transition i never wanted to miss a second and the feeling of the feeling of me just wanting to tell my dad that i loved him um was so great and having to see him on a bed in a medically induced coma basically um seeing you know i can still just saying that makes me relive the squeak of the ventilator machine Hmm. and i will never forget that nor do i want to hear it ever again and that's really kind of where my where the tune changed is that was the most horrific experience of three months i would cry myself to sleep and i didn't know if i was going to be able to ever say "Dad, i love you again um but i kept waking up and saying we're doing the best we can here and this is what we're going to continue to do um shortly after that the day after my dad got um, released back home from the hospital which was an absolute miracle uh, my longtime girlfriend of I don't know five or six years broke up with me and I was like well sh- I mean fuck if it's gonna come like let's just do it all at once um, and then about a month after that my grandmother passed away and so it was just one thing after another after another and then COVID you know completely I don't want to say shuttered you know Uh, the business, but the event industry shut down. So we had tough decisions that, you know, to make it fair and event and everything happened. It knocked me down so far. I was at the point where it was like, all right, if it's gonna happen, like, let's just do it now. But at the end of the day, I can still afford food. I can still drink water. I have a safe place to live, which means I can wake up the next day and we're gonna do this all over again. And we're gonna hope that some other bullshit thing doesn't come up again.
0: You were, and you were being cognizant of those things through all this, you're going through all this hard and difficult, challenging times. And even as you're feeling the feelings and going through all that, you're still being cognizant of, I have food, I have a shelter, I have, and being grateful for those.
1: The thing that got me through every single day is I would wake up and I would, you know, turn up out of my bed, kind of sit on the side. And I would just like put my head down and I would say, you woke up today. You survived yesterday. You've also survived 100% of your worst days. You can also survive today. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's time to go. Mm-hmm. And that those are like my positive, like words of affirmation every single morning, like right before, regret as I got out of bed, as soon as I was going to hop in the shower and go run to the hospital again. And I just kept telling myself that. And in that, I felt just like, yes, all these awful things were happening, but at the end of the day, you only need, you know, three real basic needs in life, shelter, food, and water. And I had those three things. And I knew like, I knew deep down inside that I had those three things and that I was okay. And that I was going to be able to see the next day if I just got through the day. Wow.
0: And Jake, I'm curious, just making that effort to, to do those affirmations, when you, you, you wake up, you got all this stuff going on. Before you even get up out of bed to go pee and just kind of unconsciously start the day, you're being so intentional with as soon as your feet hit the floor, you're going through and reciting your affirmations. What would that do in terms of changing your state? What would you be thinking? What would you be feeling after you did it? Did it did it seem like because I think there's something so powerful here that you're sharing that I hope other people do, because a lot of times what we'll do is we'll allow circumstances of life to dictate our state. Something happens and then we react and we just think that we are. I often use the example of the feather and the wind and forest gumps. So forest gum starts so with the wind, the feather blowing in, you're watching it's this beautiful thing, and we think, oh, it's so beautiful, and then the feather blows away. And and I was saying like the, the thing we should aspire to is to be the wind, because ultimately the wind has the control of where it sends the feather. But most of us show up and exist through life as the feather we just feel like we're at the mercy of the wind, not realizing what kind of power we have that actually affect how we think and feel. And this isn't about to try to, it's not about to deny what you're going through. You're gonna go through anyway. It's about strengthening yourself to put yourself in the best place you possibly can be to be able to go through what you're gonna go through. Because I can imagine how critical your dad's recovery was to having you being able to take care of yourself through all this to then be able to be his son but also be a a citadel strength in his journey
1: yeah the i think words of affirmation i think it's a fine line because what i tended to notice is you can get too comfortable with the words and the words start to become redundant and meaningless Um, that's why I only use words of affirmations when, when I need it. Um, like during that time I needed that every single day, but I guess the state of mind changed was I would wake up every day. So facially and mentally exhausted from crying myself to sleep that just waking up and starting, starting the day with just something very minutely positive was better than nothing positive at all. And just saying those words gave me kind of a, like the mental, um, the mental let's go to actually like push myself up off the floor and out of bed to mm-hmm. start to, 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 take that first step to the bathroom, you know, to go to the bathroom, to hop in the shower. And I think too often we try and have uh, one, we, we try and do one thing and we expect monumental change. But I said those words in the beginning, for the sole purpose of just getting me out of bed and into my car to start driving. Those mm-hmm. words weren't meant to get me through the whole day, right? There were other things that I consistently had to do throughout the day to get me through, you know, the noon to 5 p.m., the 5 p.m. to going to bedtime. And just taking it in baby steps, you know? This isn't a, it, life is a marathon, it's not a sprint, you know, and you know, it's just like, by eating one piece of broccoli, you're not going to get skinny and you know toned. It's like you have to consistently do these things. It's the same thing about kind of the words of affirmation, the resilient mindset. You have to consistently practice them, not once a day, but it has to be a conscious mindset of of how like how you wish to have your days. Um, I guess I guess that that's one nugget I, I want to make sure that people people truly understand is that when you're going through these hard things, you can expect to to have one action change the outcome of your whole day or the whole week. It's the multiple actions. That's the multiple repetitions that truly make that change for you.
0: Yeah, dude, I'm so grateful you you made that distinction because I think a lot of people run into problems when they run into problems, assuming that they do it a few times, they start to feel a little different. All of a sudden things are solved. I, I remember in the there's a statistic that's widely touted throughout the personal development event space, and they talk about how You know, you'll get thousands of people, ten workshops and seminars, and ten percent of those people will actually go away and do something with it. Ninety percent will fall right back in their old habits or I It that bothers me so much that when I do multi-day events, I will I will designate significant portions of the events throughout the day in teaching outside beyond the seminar and keep talking about hey this doesn't stop here we have to do this here's what you're going to do when life happens here's what you're going to do when this happens when business because that stuff is so imperative and I and it's it's to say to folks that if you're going through a tough time if you're building resilient mindset you know develop what Jake is saying and develop that routine where what's going to get you going what do you need to do to get you going after breakfast what do you need to get you going throughout the day and sustain it Jake, we're running on time. So before I ask my final question, where can people find and connect with you online?
1: Yeah, go to follow me at, at Jake Spurley. Um, if you're in the event industry, I would love to connect with you on LinkedIn or you can check out our website, fairandevent.com.
0: Awesome. Jake, I'm curious, you had mentioned the wanting to say so badly to your father how much, tell him you loved him. And I can remember when my dad passed away the thing I kept saying is I wish I could just say, I loved you. I wish I could just say all those things that I didn't say. And part of that for me was so driven by feeling like I hadn't said them enough. When I had the opportunity to, I'm curious for you, did you, were you as forthcoming with how much your dad meant to you before he went through this experience? And now that he's recovered, how has it changed or has it changed your relationship with him?
1: Yeah, it, I mean, my dad and I have a very unique relationship in that because he was a a doctor for so long, I didn't get to spend, and having my parents divorced at a young age, I didn't get to spend a ton of time with him. I was usually just with him on the weekends. So in that regard, it was a little more difficult to express my gratitude. Um, I mean, I felt, like I expressed my gratitude for what he had given me um, previously, but I think everybody always has that some sort of remorse or guilt, regardless how many times they you know, said I love you or how much they showed their appreciation, you're still gonna kind of feel that way in some regard. Um, I didn't feel that I didn't show gratitude to him. I felt that I didn't show enough like love and attention to him um, because I was so focused on, you know, relationships, business, college, you know, living a normal twenty-whatever-year-old life, that I failed him and myself at making that time to go hang out with him for the weekend. Of making that time and not making the excuses of, "Hey, Dad, I got, you know, me and so and so are going to go do this. Well, I could have spent that time with him. So mm-hmm. that's where I screwed up, and that's where I felt that guilt every day on his bedside of what if instead of what you know when, when he asked me to go fishing what if i just would have said yes to everything and that's why i'm so big on um not saying no so frequently because no no is too no makes us comfortable and i think humans we get too comfortable and i always when i wrote it in the in the in one of the books how to be crazy amazing during difficult times of say yes more often because when you say no you're limiting yourself to a potentially beautiful situation Hmm.
0: everybody re-watch and re-listen jake took us on an incredible journey today first we started off talking about the event industry and what's been changing and for those of you who are doing any sort of event especially still virtually you want to think about how you can razzle and dazzle the people what is it that you can show them that they haven't before zoom fatigue is a real thing those risks that you've been thinking about taking it might be time to do them because it's going to be those types of things that people are going to remember it's going to distinguishing you from a sea of events from there we shifted gears and we started talking about the resilient mindset and starting to look at what it really looks like to be a resilient mindset jake really hit home how important words of affirmation are It gives you an opportunity to take an actionable item away from this. That if you haven't already developed some, develop four or five words of affirmations or phrases of affirmation for yourself, things that you can do where it's literally your feet hit the floor to start your day type thing. You know, one of the things I appreciate so much about Jake sharing his story as transparently and honestly he did about his father and going through that whole journey with his father is. You see this strong, confident guy talking, or you hear a very strong, confident guy, and then you're able to hear him go through that emotional journey as he's sharing his experience with his dad. And it really is when life pushes us that we are given the greatest opportunity to develop that resilience. And I think his, his testimony to a resilient mindset and the value of that is him making that conscious effort feet hit the floor. What am I grateful for? What can I be? And then reminding himself that he's made it through the worst days before and he can make it through today. Imagine how your life, your business, everything would be impacted if you had that level of commitment to being that intentional about how you begin your day. Most of us don't begin our day until our alarm goes off or until nature starts calling. And by then, as soon as that happens, we're operating on autopilot unconscious habits and processes have taken over and if you take that away from what jake shared today it's that intentionality and in doing so and doing it consistently because remember what he said his morning routine wasn't just getting him through the whole day he would do that and then he'd have stuff to get him through the next part of the day the afternoon after lunch in the evening before bed What Jake said, which I'm so grateful he said it too, is that this stuff is not about you're doing it once and you're done. You're not going to, as he said, eat a piece of broccoli and get muscles or be thin. It's doing it consistently day after day after day. Trust me, I've ate so much broccoli over the years and it takes a lot more than one piece (laughs) to, to get the results. And if you're willing to commit to a long haul process, as Jake said, life is a marathon, not a sprint. You too can develop a resilient mindset. Jakes, thanks so much for being here, man. I really appreciate it as I appreciate you. This was great.
1: Yes, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been great.
0: You bet. We will see you next time, everybody, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. If you are finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to